Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're in Luke chapter 23. We really only have one and a half chapters left before we finish this series. But really in 23, the whole focus of chapter 23 is the brutality that Jesus Christ undergoes for you and I. What he faces. We've seen that he's gone through some mock trials. Basically, he's innocent. He's been declared innocent. But the reality is, is his, his destiny has been determined. They've decided they're going to kill him. And so Pilate basically gives him over to be crucified. And so now what we're going to read is, we're only going to just read about six verses today. We're just going to look at the journey to the hill. We're not going to look specifically at the crucifixion this week. But we're going to look at the journey, Jesus' journey out of Jerusalem to the hill of Golgotha. And what's going to happen is, is that Luke, specifically, of the four gospel writers, is not so much interested in detailing the events of the trip as much, as more so he wants us to focus on the people that Jesus comes in contact with. And we're going to see that there's three groups of people. There's going to be one gentleman, Simon of Cyrene, who's called to carry the cross. We're going to be introduced to him. We're going to see the crowd that follows. We're going to talk about them for a moment. And then we're going to talk about the women who along the way are weeping and crying for Jesus. We're going to talk about those ladies. But here's the thing I want you to see, that even in the midst of what Jesus is going through, he makes another pronouncement. He makes another statement that really has nothing to do with him so much as he wants us to think about ourselves in light of what he's experiencing. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning as we journey through the Gospel of Luke, let's look with me at verse 26 through verse 31. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. A great multitude of people followed him, and the women also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves, and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that, that never bore, and breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in greenwood, what will be done in dry? Let's look at this passage. We're going to basically divide it up into two sections. We're going to see the drawn in. We're going to see the person who's drawn into the situation. We're going to look, at secondly, at the crowd. We're going to see the crowd, and then we're going to see Jesus' pronouncement. So let's talk about the drawn in. You notice, of all the gospel writers, 
Luke's description is very brief as far as the journey to the cross. And as he gives that description, he's going to focus more so on the standbyers, more so on the people who are there, who are witnessing it, who are actually maybe even involved in it somewhat. And one of those is a guy by the name of Simon of Cyrene. Now, where in the world is Cyrene, George? Well, Cyrene is probably where modern-day Tripoli is in Libya. So he's a North African. You say, well, this is Jerusalem. What is he doing there? Well, he might be Jewish. Obviously, his name's Simon, and he might be in Jerusalem for the feast as a pilgrim. Or he might be from Cyrene, and he's living in the area, working in the area of Jerusalem. Whatever the reason is, he just happens to be in the crowd, and he's drawn into the issue that's going on with Jesus. He's brought into the circumstance of the crucifixion, whether he wants to or not. He's drawn in. So here's what I want you to see. Number one, Jesus' journey to the cross is not a solo affair. This is the point that Luke is wanting to bring out of this passage for you and I. When we talk about Jesus going to the cross, it's not about just Jesus going to the cross. He's bringing into it other people. In fact, here's some person who just happens to be in the crowd, and he's compelled. What do you mean compelled? He's forced to carry the cross. The Roman soldiers grab him and say, hey, you carry that cross. And so it's not a solo affair of what's going on here. God is, through his word, showing us that humanity is drawn into this whole issue of Jesus going to the cross. First thing there, journey, Jesus' journey to the cross is not a solo affair. Here's what I want you to see. Simon is forced into becoming involved. Simon is forced into becoming involved. I mean, you think about it. If, he's, if it is true that he's just a pilgrim, he's there in the city to worship. He's there in the city to celebrate the feast. He's there just as a bystander. And it just so happened on that day, of all days, there's a crucifixion. So he's in the city, and he's happening to be standing along the route that the condemned are taking up to the hill of execution. One man comes, he's not able to carry his cross, he's beaten very badly, he falls. And the soldier grabs him and says, hey you, carry his cross for him. That's got to be devastating. I mean, you're just there for what? Fun. You're just there to have a celebration. You're just there for your religious exercise, and now you're drawn into something that you don't want to be a part of. And that's what we see here. Boy, that's a testimony of humanity. And here's the thing, folks. That's what God does. So many times we want to just live our lives, go on without it. You may decide, well, you know what? I love God, but I'm just going to do my own thing. A lot of times situations and circumstances will force you, force you into dealing with Jesus, period. You'll be forced to deal with him at some, whether you want to or not. You'll be forced to. That's what we see here with this gentleman. He's drawn into it, whether he wants to or not. He's drawn into the circumstance of Christ. That's the drawn in. Here's the crowd. Two things I want you to see about the crowd. Look at verse 27. 
and a great multitude of people followed him. What's going on here? Some are simply there to see what happens. Some are simply there to see what happens. That's human nature. Human nature is is that, yes, it's a terrible thing. Yes, we don't want to see it, but there's a, something within us that what? Wants to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, ever been on the highway? You know, when I take trips with the family and you're taking those long road trips and you've got your decision that you're ready to go somewhere and you're driving down the road and you're just pouring it on the gas, your foot's lead, and you're just trying to get to where you're going, and then all of a sudden traffic slows down. You ever notice that? And you're like, oh, man, a construction zone. Didn't know there was a construction zone here. Construction, And, and then you mosey along, and you're poking along, you're poking along. And then all of a sudden, the traffic, ever notice this, just starts, boom, starts right back up again. Fast as all get out. Everybody's going. What happened? Well, by the time you get there, you see the wrecker truck on the other side of the highway pulling somebody away. Why did the traffic on your side slow down? Because people are curious. And that's where we get the term rubbernecking. What happened back there? That's human nature, isn't it? Here's what you're going to see is, is that there's, he's, Jesus is being led to the cross. And there's a great multitude. Now, some of them are angry. Some of them are yelling. Some of them are cursing him. But most are there simply to what? Watch the show. See what's going to happen. Say that, you know, I was there. I saw what happened. That's the crowd. The same crowd that cheered him in, the same crowd that cried out for him to be crucified, the same crowd is what? Following him up to the hill. But there's another group there that's interesting to me. Luke brings it out. The other Gospels brings it out. And it's simply this. There's a group of women there. Maybe they're followers of Jesus. Maybe they're just women who are sensitive to what's going on. And notice what the text says, verse 27. And the women also mourned and lamented him. Now, he's using two words there I think is significant. Mourn. That means they're weeping. But lamented. What does that mean? They're crying out for him. Do you understand? Like, you know what? It's interesting. Have you noticed that in our culture, when people grieve, especially at funerals and so forth, our grief tends to be what? Silent. Have you noticed that? And and if you're in a, a grieving situation and somebody cries out hysterically or emotionally, most everybody else feels what? Uncomfortable. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been in a situation like that before where people are uncomfortable? And the reason why is culturally for us, we grieve what? Silently. Not so way, not that way in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, especially in their culture, grief was to be expressed vocally. So they're not just grieving and mourning, it says that they're lamenting. They're crying out for him. So what we want to see here is that, that this second group, some are heartbroken over the brutality that Jesus endures. Some are heartbroken 
Some are just there following. Some are compelled, like Simon, are compelled to be a part of it. They don't want to be a part of it. But there's some there that are simply heartbroken and distraught by what's going on. Here's Jesus. He's an innocent man. I mean, think about it. If the ladies had been in the crowd that day listening to Pilate, three times he says he's innocent. And there's a sense in which in, in your heart breaks for those who are going through stuff that shouldn't be going through it. And that's what's going on here with this person, with these ladies. But I want you to notice the focus of the passage is not just Simon. It's not just the crowd. It's not just the ladies. In fact, they're just the small focus of the passage. Luke turns his attention rather to what Jesus says. In fact, as we look at the pronouncement, I want you to think about the significance of this. He's going to the cross. He knows he's going to die. And he makes a pronouncement, and it's not about himself. It's about the others. It's about the ladies who are crying. It's about the people who are there watching. It's about everyone else. It's about you and I. Because Jesus understands death is just a passing thing. He's going to be resurrected by the Father. But there's something even more severe that's going on that you and I need to be aware of. And it comes out of the pronouncement. Look with me. Let's read it again, and then I'll give you the points there. There's four of them there. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say, the mountains fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in greenwood, what will be done in dry? Here's four things I want you to see. First of all, what's Jesus doing? He's in the midst of it. He's been beaten. He's bloodied. He's going to the cross. He knows death is facing him. But what does he do? First thing. Jesus calls them to consider their situation. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves, he says. Think about that. I mean, I mean if you knew you were going to die, where, where are your thoughts at? Did you know what I'm saying? If you knew that somebody was going to execute you and the injustice of it, you know, I don't know that I would be thinking about other people. I would be thinking about what's, what's wrong with this situation, what's going on here. But that's not where Jesus is at. Jesus is not thinking of himself. He's thinking about others. And what he's saying to them is, you need to consider your situation. You need to consider where you're at. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Look at what else he's saying here. Second point. Judgment is coming. 
Judgment is coming. Look at what he says here specifically. It's a prophetic word for them especially, but there's some implications for you and I. He says this, For the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. Here's what he's saying. Judgment is coming. What do you mean, George? He's reflecting to the fact that just 40 years later, not even 40 years, Rome would come, besiege the city of Jerusalem, severe famine would take place. If, in fact, it's an interesting study of what happened in the fall of Jerusalem. They didn't just die because of the Romans. They died because of themselves. Because while the Romans were on the outside of the city, there was almost like a civil war going on on the inside of the city. Various armed factions fighting against each other. Killing was happening rapidly. People were literally basically saying mothers were crying out because their children were not being fed. It was almost be like Jesus was saying we better if they didn't have kids. He was prophetically telling them, don't worry about me. Consider your own situation because judgment is coming on this place. Judgment is coming. So easy for us, isn't it? Day-to-day life happens. Junk happens. Stuff happens. We have good times. We have bad times. And we just think we can keep going on forever. Isn't that right? Nobody thinks about dying today. Nobody, unless you're sick, you know what I'm saying, or you know somebody who's died. But most of us, we just keep going on, and what we need to do is, like, listen to what Jesus is telling them. Judgment is coming. The reality is, is there is a day of reckoning happening. This is his pronouncement. Consider your situation. Where are you at? Judgment is coming. Here's the fourth thing he tells them. The next thing. People will wish that they could die rather than face the judgment. It will get so extreme in their life. The brutality of what's going to come upon them. It will get so extreme that they'll wish that they were dead rather than have to continue to go through what they're going through, the suffering. And they'll, and they'll say things like, we wish the mountains would fall on us, or the hills would cover us. We wish that nature would just destroy us rather than we would go through this before. You're talking about severe depression among the people when you get to the place where you wish you could just die rather than go through it. That's how terrible it's going to be. You know, there's actually, can I be honest with you? Here's the reality. They're going to be they're going to be saying that because of what they're going to go through in the fall of Jerusalem and the judgment that they're going to face. But you know what? The eternal judgment is the same way. When you think about people in hell for the rest of their eternities, suffering and enduring, they're going to wish that they could die. But they can't. This is what Jesus is trying to get us to grasp and understand. Consider your situation. And then he finally brings it together. Here's my fourth point I want you to see. Finally brings it together with just a statement here that kind of seems interesting. It's an idiom from their time. It's kind of like a, a local statement that's made. But here's the meaning of it. Look at what he says there. He said, for if these things are done in Greenwood... 
What will be done in the dry? What's he saying here? If the innocent are ravaged, how much more will the guilty be? If these things right now could happen to those who are innocent, and of course, what what's going on? He's been proclaimed innocent three times. And these are peaceful times that they're in. How much more will the guilty suffer when judgment comes? That's what Jesus is saying here. Do you understand what I'm saying? If Jesus could endure the brutality of this, how much more will the guilty endure when judgment comes? When judgment comes. This is the point he's wanting us to get to. He wants us, you know, it's like, oh, it's so terrible what Jesus is going through. Yes, it is terrible. But what's even more terrible is that we would not allow it to affect our hearts. That we would not allow it to bring us to God. That we would not allow it to bring us to the place that we need to come to in our acceptance with God. But keep going on in our past like nothing's happening. Don't cry for me, he says. Weep for yourselves. Consider where yourselves are at. That's what Jesus is bringing out here in this text. He said, okay, George, how do we, how do we wrap this up? I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. I see what Jesus is saying to the ladies there. I see the guy who's drawn in, Simon. I see the crowd. How do we, how do we bring this all home? How do, how do, I, how do I find application for myself? Well, I'm going to give you some thoughts here, and then I'm going to give you an action point. Here's the first thought. It's been a thought that we've been carrying through for the last three weeks when we've looked at this whole issue of Jesus going to the cross. Number one, what's your reaction to Jesus? What's your reaction to Jesus? Is he who he says he is? Do you understand why he went to the cross, allowed himself to go to the cross for you? What's your reaction to him? Well, I believe, George. Yeah, okay, I understand that. I believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, but that's really not changing my life every day. Do you know what I mean? You can believe something and not be impacted by it. It's got to be more than just a simple belief. There needs to be a, something where the reality of Jesus impacts your life, changes you. Or you might have the opposite re, re, and reject him, react to him, like, I don't want anything to do with that. That's fine. I understand that because in a group this size, we have several different types of people here. We have people who are, who are earnestly seeking and want to know Jesus and, and, and follow Jesus and grow with Jesus. But we also have folks here who are here maybe for other reasons because maybe you were brought here or you've got some other reason. But, you know, that Jesus thing, you know, hey, what's your reaction to Jesus? Because here's the interesting thing. Even as he's going to the cross, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about everybody else. And he's saying, consider your situation. In fact, that's my next point there. Consider your situation. Where are you at? Where are you at? Do you know him? Have you committed your life to him? Are you following Jesus? Where's that at? 
Or maybe you're like, well, you know, I'm searching. I'm just not ready yet. Okay, where are you at? That's fine. It's even okay to say, well, I don't care. That's fine, too. It's not going to change anything. But it's okay that you're at that point, but you need to recognize that. There's no waffling in between, like, well, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's either, you know, you've got to kind of know where you're at. Consider where you're at, because the reality is that's what Jesus wants you to do. Because judgment's coming. The day of reckoning is coming. When's that coming, George? You know what? I don't know. And I don't know when it'll be in your life, but it is coming. You know, I'm 47 years old. And in my life, in my family, I've watched loved ones die. You know, I lost my dad when he was 40. Lost my brother when he was 38. Did you know what I mean? They didn't expect, I mean, they thought they were going to live forever. You know, they thought they were going to reach the new 60, which is 100, I guess, you know. You know, the 40 is the new 29, you know. It's not. Um, okay. What's your situation? Listen, I, I want to talk to the person who's seeking. You might be here and you're saying, you know what, I, George, I've been coming, I'm listening. I'm interested, but I'm, I'm just not sure. Okay, that's okay. But know where you're at. But here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Talk to God. Say to him, you know what? Are you there? Are you real? Jesus, did you die for me? And I believe in all of my heart that if you sincerely seek, you will know. You'll have understanding. He will reveal himself to you. You just need to seek. So let me encourage you. Continue on that journey. But you've got to know where you're at. It's not, this is not what you play games about. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I, like, like when, when, the, when Foster was down in the hospital and I drove down to Pittsburgh a few times. I've been to Pittsburgh before, but I noticed something extremely different this time when I was going down to Pittsburgh. Do you want to know what I noticed? Before when I've gone down there, I never noticed this until now. Everybody's driving around with a pirate sticker on their car. Now, what made the difference? Before, when they didn't have a winning season, nobody cared. But now that they're doing well, everybody's on the bandwagon? You know what I'm saying? You've got to commit yourself. It's got to be more than just a fickle thing. It's got to be, am I serious? Do I really want to know who he is? And see, you might be here and you know him. You've got to get serious about knowing him, about following him. So that brings me to my action point. Decide what you're going to do with Jesus. I gave you that last week. We've been wrestling with that for the last few weeks. Again, I'm not changing. Why? Because we're going to talk, the next time we gather, we're going to talk about him on the cross. You know why he did it? Because he loved you. So that you can have acceptance and forgiveness with God. But you've got to make that decision. You've got to make the decision. What are you going to do 
with Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.